This is Good Better Broker, a podcast from UWM. With more than 5,000 five-star reviews, you could say that David Hall is obsessed with delivering elite service to his clients. But here's the thing. Earning all those stars starts with creating a great experience for every borrower and real estate partner. In this episode of Good Better Broker, you'll find out how focusing on how you make people feel leads to a referral-based business. Episode 46 of Good Better Broker is coming up. This information is provided to mortgage professionals only and is not intended for or authorized for consumer distribution. The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of United Wholesale Mortgage, LLC. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast series do not constitute legal or other professional advice or endorsements of any kind. Welcome back to Good Better Broker as we bring in David Hall, president and CEO of Hall Financial, based right here in Metro Detroit. David, great to see you. Good to see you. Great to be here with you again. And we just said it's been a while since we got a chance to talk, so I'm glad that I could come in and do this today. It's fun. Yeah, it has been a minute. And for our listeners that aren't familiar with you, I'll just give a, a little bit of the back of the baseball card, if you will. 25 plus years in the industry. You started Hall Financial back in 2016. And this is your calling card, David. Over 5,000 five-star reviews. 5502. Okay. That's where we're at right now on our way to 6,000. Not that you're keeping Not track. Not that I'm watching it. Yeah. <laughs> You recently presented on this topic, client service at UWM Live. As we get into the conversation here, I just got to ask you, how was the experience? It was so much fun. You know, I mean, everybody at UWM is so great and they made it easy for me. The marketing team just does an outstanding job getting you ready. And so, it, you know, you, you feel like that you're part of the team and it just makes it that much easier to present. It's been a while since I presented to that many people, but it's kind of like you get up there and you get rolling. It's fun. You know, I like that. I get the energy and sort of the, everything's popping when you're up there. And uh, so it was a great time. And our team at Hall Financial, honestly, they did a tremendous job putting it together. I tend to be, you know, I have a lot of energy and I'm motivating, um, but um, our team really, you know, helps me with the details. So I think that's why it was such a well-received presentation. Our team did a really great job. You were part of the uh, the morning shift, if you will, of presentation. So yeah. I'm sure you had the opportunity to to interact with a lot of the people who were here about your presentation after the fact. What kinds of feedback did you get from them? It was cool. Um, you know, I ran into some brokers that, uh, you know, I didn't know because they were here from all over the country and had told me they had followed some of our stuff, our Mortgage Minute and our podcast that we do. So that was really, I didn't realize the the reach really that we were having. I mean, we do that stuff to gain attention, you know, so that people know what we do. Uh, but I got a lot of great feedback. And then on my presentation, just in general, um, I, you know, it was f the best part for me, the most memorable thing is when I was up there and I was speaking, I just, a lot of people had cameras out taking pictures of our slides. And so to me, I was like, oh, this is, we're doing pretty good. You know, <laughs> that's, that was like my thing. And then talking to people, of course they're complimentary. Um, and so it was just all fantastic, had just a great time. And, you know, of course you're always, I don't want to say nervous, but you know, uh, you want the day to go well, and it did. So we were just really happy about that. No, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, I want to go back and, and just ask you, you know, since you are so committed to exceptional client service, was there a certain moment in your career that you can recall that you can say, okay, that was the moment I realized that the client service is going to be the key to what we do? 
Boy, well, I'll, I'll tell you two things about it. Maybe they don't directly answer that, but hopefully they're helpful. So it is a true story that when I was a kid, you know, 10 years old-ish, uh, my dad had told me, we were talking one day about some stuff, and I can kind of still remember it, where he said, everybody wants to feel important, you know? And I was like, wow, that was like deep for me, like everybody, and just in terms of how you treat people and how you interact with other people and, you know, remembering them or saying something complimentary or whatever. And, you know, I always try to do everything with authenticity, but, you know, everybody wants to be important, you know, to, to, to other people in their lives. And so when I would go places, I think I just became hyper aware about service and how the hostess treated you and how the you know waiter treated you. Or if you went to a coffee shop, like what's the interaction like, you know, if it felt good, I give more of a tip. If it doesn't, I don't like, I, I kind of, I joke around with my friends about like, you know, if you get bad service, you know, you really shouldn't tip. I mean, I do, but, you know, because it's not societally great to not give a tip, but I'd rather give a lot more to somebody and not give if it's not not good. But, you know, those are people working hard. So, but the, the, but I think that the thing for me just about, you know, client service is it just became clear to me that when a lot of people are doing the same thing that you're doing, the way you distinguish yourself is how you make them feel. You know, and when I would buy a car or if I'd go buy furniture, how that person made me feel sort of had a lot to do with if I went back and if I sent them people. So I don't know. It's kind of simple for me in that how we make people feel is maybe more important than, you know, did they get, you know, 6.125 or 6.25 and did they pay $2,600 in costs or $2,300 in costs, all of which is important, but how you make them feel might be more important than you realize. It's interesting because during your presentation, you you kind of mentioned the fact that, you know, client service today as a whole not so great, you know, not in, in the best spot that it, you know, perhaps was uh, as recently as a couple of years ago. And so given that, what kind of an opportunity do you think that independent mortgage brokers around the country have to deliver a memorable client experience? Unbelievable. I mean, I think that's the biggest delineation. And I think, I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I've been in the mortgage business for a long time, so I understand it very clearly. But even when I, you know, if you walk on an airline, uh, and just using them as an example, there's just a totally different experience between certain airlines and how they do things and their protocols. And like, yeah, maybe I can get this flight for 375 and that flight's 410. I'm not sure if that's going to make as much of a difference as like how they greet you, how you they treat you. I mean, there's just like some really, it's unbelievable the way that people get treated. And, you know, just recently, and I'm just talking about the airlines here, I could talk about car washes or coffee shops, but just, you know, it goes to, uh, you know, Congress that, you know, the, the, the airlines got to pick it up. You know, it's like, you'd think they'd be doing this on their own, but I don't think that they view themselves as being in the client service business. Like, you know, if I was running an airline, I'd say we're in the client service business. We just happen to be flying you from place to place. Um, so I just, again, I think that the way you treat people and how they feel after they either use your product or your service is critically important. And everybody I know that's super successful, um, especially in a service business, they're, they're laser focused on that. I want to ask you about your approach to client service and, you know, specifically how it's evolved over the years, especially, you know, given technology and, and some of the things that you have at your disposal now that you didn't five, 10, 15 years ago. Well, I think everybody wants everything fast, you know? And so I think especially a mortgage, nobody really wants to get a mortgage. Uh, they want the house, uh, or they want the lower payment. So I think, you know, getting it done for them quickly, and of course, with quality, everything's got to be accurate. That's kind of a given. Um, but I think that the more you can speed little things up, 
the better. And, you know, my biggest, my best analogy over the couple decades I've been in the business has been, you know, going to the dentist. Like nobody wants to go to the dentist, but everybody has to. So if you get me in and out of there pretty quick, you take care of me, it's quality, it's painless. I'm, I'm happy. Right. So if you, in, in our business, it's kind of the same thing. If you like do what you're supposed to do, I'm going to be happy because people are used to hiccups, problems, issues, because things do come up and appraisal can come in low, tough inspection, whatever the case may be. There are all these variables, but I think that, you know, if people can sort of get in and out of the dentist chair quickly and easily, they like that. And I think that the mortgage is very similar. With all of the forms of communication we have available today, I mean, you name it, you can do it, right? Um, but but you guys at Hall Financial, you you choose to be very strategic with your client outreach, and, and you talked about that in your presentation. But I want you to explain what you mean by that. Well, I think that you know, to your point, when I started, you know, everybody just called everybody, and so now email, text, phone, whatever, everybody's got a, a preferred method of communication. I think getting to know your client and what they want is critically important, so that you can deliver to them, you know, on an experience that they feel comfortable with, like personally. Like, you know, for for me, um, I like texting just because, you know, you can tell me what you need. I tell you, I'm a very efficient, quick person. So I don't want to like spend 20 minutes on the phone if I can spend two minutes on a text. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people like that. Other people, they want to know a little bit more about the details. They're more into like what's next and they want to hear from you. So great. So we'll make sure that we tailor the communication to the way that you want it. And I think you have to in today's day and age because people have choices. Um, and I know that, you know, for certain consumers, if you're not communicating with them the way that they want to be communicated with, how's that going to be a good experience? Well, it's probably not. So we're, we're, we're in the uh, business of creating great experiences for folks so that they not only want to come back to us, but they want to refer people to us and we can grow our business organically. We talked earlier about all of the five-star reviews. You even told us the exact number that you currently have. And I know some of our listeners are probably saying to themselves, well, why is a four-star review not okay? Because you said that you're only after five-star reviews. So I want you to kind of clear that up. Well, it's funny. Uh, the story is you know, we've become, it, it's just part of our DNA at our company. You know, every every family or company in the world has a certain DNA. And so part of ours is that when we close a loan, the first thing somebody says is, did you, did you get a five-star review? I mean, that's the, that's the main focus, meaning was the client like super happy? Are they so thrilled that they would go online and take their time to write you a review? I mean, that's that's not everybody's not doing that, right? It's like difficult to to put yourself in a position where people want to do that for you. So if we get like a three or a four star review, people freak out in, internally at our. They're like, oh, "You got a three star!" Like, and I'm like, sometimes we got to just call the client and explain to them, and w we try to do this up front that you know we strive for five stars. So if you were to give us a three or four star, we would feel like we're not measuring up and. Most times when we call people, we're like, oh, okay, I gave you a four. I thought that was really good. I can give you a five. And so that doesn't happen that often. And then once in a while, you know, if I'm being honest, we get one-star reviews from people that where we have to make it right. You know, UWM has a make it right policy. And so there's, it, it usually all boils down to miscommunication. You know, I mean, we've probably gotten a handful of one-stars over the years. Luckily, we've gotten 5,502 five-stars. But it gives us the opportunity to get better. And I, that's how I view uh, somebody who's not satisfied, which thankfully there's not that many, but just like any business, we have people that for whatever reason maybe weren't satisfied. And so we try to address that immediately, not just with them, but internally with our team. And it's just part of our mentality is that 
somebody that's not satisfied, that's our chance to get better. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, as, as fixated as you are on the five-star review, uh, you look at a negative review and a negative experience as an opportunity and not just an opportunity to make it right, like you just mentioned, but an opportunity to gain future business. Well, I think you have to. And I think anytime, not, not just in business, but this has always been my philosophy, probably comes from my dad or my experience, is that whenever somebody's dissatisfied with me for something, I think the easiest thing in human nature is to say, you know, what's wrong with them? And I always try to first say, like, what's my role in this? You know, I mean, everybody always has a role in somebody's dissatisfaction. And I think that, you know, that's an important thing to be in the improvement business. You know, I, I talk to my team all the time about getting 1% better every day. Well, how are you going to do that if you don't really know what you do wrong? Like, I know my tendencies. I know the thing. I know I'm impatient. Like, I, I understand this. And so, you know, some of my other tendencies in terms of how I interact with people and stuff, I think I got a lot of strengths, but I also have some things that I can work on. And so I think it's the same thing with your business when somebody's, you know, potentially not satisfied. Like, okay, what can we do to get better, especially with maybe a client that's wired like like this that needs it like that like we want to we want the next one of those to be a satisfied client you know it's funny you know whether you are getting your house painted or you're getting a mortgage everybody wants to know what's going on right when are you coming to paint my house when are we going to close on this mortgage it doesn't matter excellent communication means a lot so from your standpoint how do you ensure that your clients 100% know that you guys are on top of things? Well, we, yeah, it's a great question. So I think there's two pieces that I think one is the process you set up and two is the mentality that you have in your business. So our mentality in our business is that there is no such thing as over-communicating. Like over-communicating is good. In, in my entire career, I could tell you probably on one or two hands how many people of the thousands I've dealt with said, Hey, you're, you're talking to me too much. You know, nobody says that people want the information, especially when it's just an update. So we preach that every day in our business is that there really is no such thing as too much communication with the client because they're, we, we don't realize they're looking at the information somewhat passively compared to how we're sending it. So they're like, oh, okay, great. Oh, okay, great. And, you know, the other part is just we set up a process by which, you know, when a loan goes in process, uh, the CEA, that's our client experience ambassador. A lot of people call it a processor. We have a different name for it. They reach out. They have an initial call. They have an initial email. Then four days later, we make sure we follow up if there isn't. So there are steps all along the way that we follow as a process. And we always have to inspect what we expect, meaning we always go back and look at, is everybody following the process? Is that happening? So, you know, having a great process and having a mentality every day is the way you want everybody to sort of think about communicating, I think is really important. But it's not done once the loan is closed, right? For you, the follow-up, in a sense, I guess you could say, once the loan is closed, that's just the beginning because the outreach is still happening at that point. Well, you know, and, and so part of it's selfish, part of it's not. So the not part is that I feel like we've made a commitment to somebody when we do business with them that we're going to help you f forever because I just feel that way. You know, it's like that's just part of the deal is that we do your loan, but then afterwards questions, anything you have, you know, you call me. When I was a, a loan officer, when I was starting, my big thing was that, uh, you know, sometimes loans will get sold or transferred. And I would tell our clients, you never call any other company without uh, uh, conferencing me in. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, I want to be conferenced into any call that's about your mortgage. And people thought that was like over the top, but in a good way. And I would do it because I wanted them to always think of me 
when they did anything on their mortgage. I didn't want them calling some 800 line and sitting there for 30 minutes without me on it. I wanted to be there with them because I felt like I made that commitment. The other part is that when you do that kind of stuff and you follow up with people in that way and you send them a happy birthday or you know we have a whole community thing that we do for our close clients so they feel part of it, you get business. That's the selfish part. So they want to come back to you. They want to fur other people to you because we're trying to create wow experiences. When you create wow, whether it's during the process or after the closing, good things are just going to happen to you. And just like Matt always says that, you know, he doesn't focus on the money, he focuses on winning and then winning and then money follows. Same thing. You focus on the client and creating wow, business follows and good things end up happening. So we always try to do right. Um, Brad Hine, our lead IT guy, says the greatest thing that the right thing to do is very oftentimes inconvenient. So we try and do a lot of inconvenient things because it leads to good things. Yeah, what do, what do you mean by that? You know, doing the right thing is inconvenient, but it's still important. Well, it's like, you know, everybody wants to cut quarters and shave off time. Um, and so it's like, well, you know, just in terms of like sales guys, I called this guy, but I didn't put the notes in the system. Because, you know, that kind of takes time. Of course, you have to put the notes in. You got to put the notes in. So, you know, I, or just like with clients, it's like, you know, creating a whole thing for them after the closing, it takes time, money, effort. It's kind of inconvenient, right? But that's how you're going to get more business if you're willing to do things that other people aren't willing to do. I just don't think you can cut corners on your way to success. I think, you know, early in my career, my first five, 10 years, you're always trying to figure out like, What's the shortcut? And then you realize there is no shortcut. You know, after time, you see guys that, you know, really do it for a long period of time. You can't become successful, I don't think, in anything by taking any shortcuts. I mean, there you can get some cheat notes from some guys that are ahead of you. You know, I'm, all, I'm a big best practice guy, I like getting best practices from other people so I can get better quicker. But you just got to do all the right things if you want to become successful. You know, for people that have been in the business for a while, I would think it's easy to get desensitized to, you know, how big of a deal a mortgage is because, you know, you do this every day, you've done, you know, thousands of loans over the years, but for most people out there, it is still a big deal and it can be very confusing. And for that reason, uh, this is very interesting. You said this, you intentionally try to put yourself in the shoes of your clients. Why yeah. is that important to you? Well, I think you're you're totally accurate, you know, with what you said. I think um, when you go through things that other people have to go through, it just makes you so much more aware of all the things that are good or bad within the process. I mean, I think it's easy to sit up in a, you know, 47th floor office and let everybody do the work on the first floor. So you, I think you got to be involved in, and, and try and stay close to your business, get in the weeds of your business. And so like understanding the consumer experience, um, I recently had my credit pulled and became a credit trigger because I wanted to understand what that was like because so many consumers are going through that right now. And I thought it was incredibly interesting. I learned a lot about how that works. And so I'm just a big believer in getting in the mix and sort of understanding what it feels like to because you can get separated from it when you've been doing this a long time and you always have to sort of check in on, you know, what are your assumptions? I I don't know why for my whole career, I've just never been somebody or in my life. I don't assume a lot of things. Oh, this guy did this, so that means that. Does it really? I don't know if it does. You know, I don't like to assume things. I like to know. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, 
It's all talked, part of my quirky personality. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. it's obviously working, so go, go <laughs> to with it. To some degree. Um, we talked a lot about the consumers and, and you know your, your borrowers and how you try to give them such great care. But I want to ask you about the realtors, too, especially yeah. in a market like this where so yeah. many LOs are focused on realtors. How do you try to make your real estate partners look like rock stars? I think that... Um, I think it all starts with realizing that a realtor's job is really hard. I think a lot of lenders think that realtors have it. They, they sell homes, they make a big check, and they just get a listing agreement signed. It's not really that way. You know, I think if you put yourself in a realtor's shoes, you realize how much they have to do to pull a transaction together and how big that is for them. Um, and so it just, you know, I think it starts there. And then I think that the next piece is just, you know, wanting to help people to grow their business. Like, I love the fact that we, you know, can partner up with real estate agents, help them grow their business. So there's like genuine value there. We're not just doing loans for them. Like we're having lunch with them, talking about some of their struggles, things that we can add as benefits to them. Can we do some social media stuff together? Are you good at digital marketing? Like where's your head at as it relates to where you're going to get your business in the future and just sharing ideas and thoughts. I think it, it starts there. And then, you know, when whenever they refer a client over, you have to realize what a big deal that is for a real estate agent because that's their livelihood that they're putting into your hands and their reputation. So when I'm talking to a client of a realtor, I got to be like on my A plus game so that that client goes back to the agent and says, that's this hall guy, he's lights out. Like, I love this guy. You know, that's that's my goal by how I treat them. And then it gets back to the agent. It reflects well on them. They want to send us more business. We have a great transaction. Equally, if I get a client from an agent that eh, they're borderline, like, I don't know if they can get a lot. I got to tell them that. And I got to tell the realtor that. And sometimes that's not what people want to hear, but sometimes you got to tell them what they need to know because that's so much better in the long run. So I, I feel like that there's a lot that goes into being a good partner with real estate agents. I feel like, you know, to some degree, a lot of mortgage folks, they just want business from the agent. And so you got to kind of put your list down of like, what are the things that I'm willing to contribute to helping an agent so that they want to use me forever and that they really love my service. All right. Final thing I got for you. Okay. If you're talking to other mortgage brokers and LOs across the country, what is your number one piece of advice for them if they want to step up their client service game? Boy, that's a good question. Number one piece of advice for their client service game. Yeah, I, I go back to what I said originally. You know, I just think that the ability to make people feel important is really key to the to success of any salesperson. I think that, but I think it has to be genuine. You know, I think that realizing a realtor's job is hard. Or, you know, my mentor used to tell me that when people would purchase homes, this is when I was early in the business, that they're temporarily insane. Like when you're going through the purchase process as a consumer, because you got so much flying at you, I got to move the kids in school, I need furniture, I got a bigger payment. It's like you're spinning out a little bit. And so making them feel like, I got you, we're going to get through this together, you're good. You know, those are all very, I think, important keys to becoming great. I think a lot of loan officers and and all over the country, they're focused on, you know, if I have the best rate or the the best cost. And I mean, that's all important. But I think how you make people feel, how you treat people, all the way from how you answer the phone to a follow-up text or a follow-up email. You know, I met with a new real estate agent the other day and I sent her an email that evening and just following up. Well, it's great meeting with you. You know, a lot of people don't do those little things. I think it's a lot of the little things, but it's how you make people feel. 
making this industry a little more sane, one loan at a time. <laughs> uh, David Hall, always great seeing you. And oh, by the way, uh, I'm really looking forward to flying Hall Airlines when you get that up and running and experiencing all of the, the great uh, like perks that. of that. So you'll have to keep me in the loop, okay? That's, uh, that's like a 2035 project. All right. It's a, um, few, gonna, it's a decade out, but you uh, might be my first my first. Client. I'm going to be on the first flight. Okay, got it. Thanks, man. Thanks. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. And look for another new episode coming your way two weeks from now with more expert advice from independent mortgage brokers around the country. I'm Justin White. We'll see you next time on Good Better Broker.